Stop the press, it's on! After two sellout events, the Wellness Summit returns to Melbourne in 2015 for two days of powerhouse wellness with your favourite wellness couch hosts and Australia's wellness elite. Join us at the Melbourne Convention Centre on Saturday, August 15 and Sunday 16th for an inspirational, educational, edutaining, fun, exciting, sensational cocktail of wellness that promises to help you take your life to the next level. Now, if you want very special access to our limited two-for-one tickets, then make sure you go to www.thewellnesscouch.com, enter your name and email address, and get on the early bird list. So pop the dates in the diary, and we'll see you there. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Pull up a rock by the campfire. It's time for that paleo show with your hosts, Sarah Stewart, Steve Hayter, and the man with no shoes, Brett Hill. Welcome to that paleo show, making the paleo lifestyle easy and accessible for everyone. I'm Steve Hayter. And I'm Brett Hill. And today we are again without Sarah. She's off saving the world. Uh, I'm going to uh-huh. say that as the excuse. That's a, it's better than she's at work, isn't it, Brett? <laughs> playing, playing. We're here today talking and we've got Pink Farm uh, on the line with us. Pink Farm is, was created by two friends on a real food journey, learning, sharing, creating, inspiring and challenging politically correct nutrition. A country girl living on a farm on the beautiful Atherton tablelands with a bustling house of five children and a city girl living in a metro Sydney townhouse with one child. They focus on incorporating traditional foods, cultured foods and healthy fats into their daily lives, inspire each other to walk the talk. They prioritise eating breakfast like a king and eliminating processed foods from their lives. They, along with their families, have achieved better living without refined sugar on a daily basis. They have helped many people overcome the dilemma of trying to work out where they can purchase their starter culture uh, from by creating one of the first national databases of people who are happy to share their kefir grains uh, or kombucha scoby with you, which you can find on their pinkfarm.com.au website. And how appropriate that there's a chicken cuckooing in the background. (laughs) (laughs) Farmer and Pinky, welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, we've heard a little bit about you guys uh, in the introduction, but can you tell us a little bit more about yourselves and, and what inspired you to create the Pink Farm website? Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe Pinky, you, you can go first. Yeah, look, we, um, we definitely, there, as um, we said before, there are two of us and the Pink Farm journey really is a journey about um, coming together, but we do um, come from sort of separate stories. So, Tan, do you want to share your story actually first because it kind of the way it intertwines and then I'll jump in and share my story and then how um, the Pink Farm story evolved from that. Yeah. So um, with me having five children and Pinky only having one, um, obviously I've been on a journey of parenthood for a long time without Pinky. Um, She's always been a big part of my life, but been, we've been leaving, leading very separate lives for a long time until I had Pinky had her first child and then coincidentally I got pregnant and had a, my fifth child nine months after her son was born. 
Um, and that was where our journeys really started to collide. But up until then, um, when I had my son, he was, uh, he's now 15, um, I had already had an interest in food and had learnt that food um, was a powerful source of healing and that it had a big influence on how we felt as human beings. Um, and that came about particularly because um, my husband suffered with migraines and we happened to be living next door to a naturopath who actually pointed out that we could actually um, tweak some things that we were eating, which at the time was pretty bad compared to how we eat now. Um, and we made some simple changes and, and he was able to, you know, cut his migraines from daily to, you know, maybe two or three a week just by cutting out some um, nasty things like cordial and white bread and things like that. And this would be about 17 years ago now, 18 years. Um, and then down the track just before I had my first child, I actually um, had an abnormal pap smear. I was only 23 at the time. And this, I'd just finished my midwifery training and um, I was really, really scared by this um, because I knew that um, one of my lifelong passions to have children could possibly be affected by um, the threat, threat of cancer in this area. So um, having already been inspired by our friend, um, our naturopathic friend, um, and having learnt that food um, was quite powerful in terms of how we feel and what diseases present with us. Um, I started to look at our diet again and and really focused on looking at getting rid of sugar because I learned that that was acidic and that it fed cancer. And even though I didn't have cancer, I was thinking that way because I really wanted to make sure that this wasn't something that um, took hold in my body. And so, yeah, I've, I mean... Then I had my first child and food was just a priority from the time that I started feeding him at six months. And with the knowledge I had, um, you know, it was it was my main focus. And it's been a very twisty, turny journey for me. I've, I've felt very alone on that journey for a large part of it, um, mainly because I was a young mum of my age. I was only 24, so I felt like all of my um, friends were older than me and weren't having children yet um, and also that the access to information on the internet back then just wasn't like it is today. Um, so I'm really, really thankful that Pinky eventually did have children and jump on board with this food journey um, because she brought so much new energy and passion to something that I felt like I'd been struggling with and fighting for for a long time. So I'll let Pinky tell you where it went to once she she um, had Diesel and where it took us to after I had Blaze. Yeah, who's my okay. youngest? <laughs> Thanks, Tan. Um, yeah, Tan and I actually often talk about how massive it is um, when you have children, just what they can do for you, and how it kind of can turn your life upside down and make you refocus things. And we often find that at our workshops as well. We ask people what inspired them to come. They often say to us, oh, you know, I had children or my children. And that's what we realise, that children really are our teachers. And um, I'm really thankful for Diesel because I feel like after having him, he really propelled me into um, learning way more about food than 
than I was doing. I was on a bit of a food journey, kind of dabbling in things. I was always really curious um, about the things that Tam was doing as I we kind of came in and out of each other's lives. But um, after I had Diesel, um, we really connected as mothers and were talking a lot about food and looking into different things, dabbling in traditional foods. But we hadn't really jumped um, right into um, gut health at this point. But I'd, I was actually at the time reading a little bit about gut health and the work of Dr. Natasha Campbell McBride. Um, but it wasn't until Diesel was around nine months that he started to have mysterious skin rashes. And at the time that he was getting these skin rashes, Tan and I are on the phone back and forth just thinking, you know, what's going on? He was diagnosed with chickenpox about five times. Um, and we just really weren't getting any answers. I was taking him to practitioner after practitioner and they were saying to me that this was normal, that our skin rashes were a normal part of childhood. And I just refused to accept that these rashes were normal. Um, again, Tan and I would, you know, kind of talk about the issues and we both were saying, no, this isn't right. But underneath I was keeping a pretty big secret and that was my struggle that I had with um, sugar. And the stress that I was going through with these skin rashes with diesel was actually exacerbating my sugar addiction because I think all my life as a sugar addict, um, I'd seen that as normal. And because I was um, of a slim build, it really didn't affect me on the outside. So I was consuming just a lot, a lot, a lot of chocolate every single day. And then that, like I said, was exacerbated as um, the stress of these skin rashes and I was in such denial that I was exploring all the different things that I possibly could have been eating and feeding my son through my breast milk to make these skin rashes so bad to a point that I was calling the um, Australian Breastfeeding Association, asking them if egg, you know, if I ate egg, would that then affect him and would he have an egg allergy? Meanwhile, I just sort of polished off three blocks of chocolate. Yeah. And I was in absolute denial that that was sugar, that was, you know, exacerbating these rashes um so I ended up going to a, a practitioner and more of a natural health practitioner and we went into the office and he did some kinesiology and he sat there and he said um yeah he's got a yeast infection and I said but he doesn't eat sugar you know looked at him but then this big elephant in the room sort of staring at me because I had um, a yeast infection myself and I just thought wow so I um, finally had to face it and um, at the time sugar-free September came along and it was something that I thought, okay, I can do this and that was sort of the beginning of uh, letting go of the addiction. It was um, giving up refined sugar for a month, which I was able to do mm. and um, at that time Tan and I again were more involved in talking about, you know, food and then Tan, I think, this is a kind of around when Pink Farm started to yeah, kind of evolve, so, I think. Yeah, in 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 between all of this, I had Blaze. Um, yeah, and kind of um, by this stage, I was sort of nine months behind Pinky, but Blaze. Um, That's right. Started to throw these mysterious skin rashes as well. So, you know, if our food journeys weren't already close, they became very very close, almost on top of each other because. Um, Blaze is my youngest and he, you know, being the youngest of five, um, you know, a mum of five, I just was sort of, you know, quite shocked that I could be throwing more wild cards because, 
you would think after five children that there's nothing you haven't seen or been challenged by yet. <laughs> he certainly proved me wrong with his red hair and his skin rashes and his respiratory illnesses that he had. Um, so, you know, I just could not work out for the life of myself why this was happening mm. because he, you know, I'd had a natural pregnancy without any complications. He was born at home like the other children, you know, so he hadn't had the influence of any any antibiotics or anything like that. Um, but yet um, as he presented with these mysterious things, I was speaking with Pinky about what she'd already been researching with diesel and sugar and gut health. And there were just all these little pennies starting to drop, um, although we were still very confused, but it, it's what kind of catapulted yeah. us into exploring the gut health thing a much on a much deeper level. And, yes, around the time um, we'd had our 20-year high school reunion and we were both feeling quite passionate about what we were learning and discovering and discussing it around the table with our um, old high school friends. They said, why don't you guys start a, a blog? Um, and we, we, we went, yeah, it's funny you say that. We talked about doing that for a while and eventually um, – we put the blog in the too hard basket and said, well, let's just open a Facebook page because that seems much easier. <laughs> and that's what we did. Nice so nice Pink work. Farm Facebook page was started in March two years ago and two months after we started that page, my family chiropractor that's been a part of our life for 12 years said, guys, I want you to do a workshop and the topic is food for thought. <laughs> and so Pinky came from Sydney to the Athen Tablelands and we did our first workshop and it just it just evolved from there, like yeah. two things that we never had anticipated happening <laughs> because well, we just cool started it. It's such a cool journey that you girls have gone on and uh, and incidentally, this is probably going to be the easiest podcast ever because you guys seem to be able to just keep asking each other questions and see what I can see. So that's fantastic. But, um, Sorry. You know, one, one of the, no, that's great. One of the really cool things about you guys, obviously, and, and one of the really interesting things is the contrast between your lives. I mean, obviously, the, the whole kind of city-country contrast. So I think it would be kind of really interesting to explore that because obviously you guys have had a really unique opportunity going through this journey together to kind of compare notes and so um, starting with you Pinky I'll be really curious to hear you know what have been the challenges in sort of progressing into this more real food lifestyle um, within the urban environment? Yeah you're right um, as a single mum you know who's on a budget I definitely have to explore that in a way um, so that I can eat real food so probably some of the challenges would have been just yeah the cost but I've been ma- I managed to be part of a co-op so I access all my produce um, with a friend nice. who can go to the markets. We come on a Thursday morning and sort of pack all the bags for each other every Thursday morning so we get affordable organic produce and, you know, accessing meat direct from farmers, which I think when you sort of can find those, um, uh, I think once you get into that world and start, you know, researching and accessing and cutting out the middleman, that's when things mm. like that actually do become affordable. Um, and then buying, you know, in bulk um, all those sort of, you know, different dry goods. But then Tan and I often talk about this as well, that when 
you start to eat real food and more nutrient-dense food, you actually eat less food. Mm. And it also helps, um, you know, the budget as well. So we've cool. I've definitely found that. And so, Tanya, obviously, you know, you being out on the farm, you know, you kind of tend to think naturally that that's going to be so much easier because you're out in the environment and, you know, you have readily access to to perhaps a lot more of those foods. But but I'm sure there's a lot of challenges that come with that in terms of availability of certain foods or certain ingredients that you might want to use with your more real food recipes as well. So what are the challenges then in terms of doing this in the country? Okay, I'm so glad you're asking this question, um, Steve, because this is exactly one of the things that we discussed when we started our Facebook page is just the um, challenges that I had living in this rural area, having access to some of the things that Pinky was seemingly <laughs> just, um, just drowning in, you know. So, yeah. um, you know, with the farmer's markets in Sydney, they're, they're huge and they're accessible and they're, they're there all the time. Um, and we certainly have lots of local farmers markets here. Um, but for me, um, I've tried lots of different things over the years and um, my friends and I are currently in a co-op, a fruit and veg co-op, which we're finding works best for us um, and especially because a lot of us have large families so we really do buy in bulk um, and um, we do that once a month and most of our non not so perishable foods, um, you know, I'm buying one or two, one, you know, one case of apples a month or a case of carton of carrots a month and I have a double-door industrial fridge that um, I'm able to store all of that in. But then in between, you know, we've, we're on a small farm and we're trying to find the time to provide more and more food for ourselves. So um, we're now at a point where we've got, you know, we don't have to buy eggs anymore because we've got enough chooks to provide us with, you know, our dozen eggs a day that we need. Um, and we've also got enough to, chooks to um, to rotate through and use for our um, chicken broth that we make every week as well now. So that those sort of things are, are evolving as well for me on this side of things. Um, but certainly I've had to do, as, you know, that researching part of it as well and fall into the um, network of people um, in being able to buy more dry goods like nuts and seeds in bulk. And, of course, because we live so far north, it all has to be a lot of that sort of stuff has to be transported from south. So, And what about um, some of the more like exotic ingredients that you might use in your kind of primal lifestyle? Like what about if you're looking for you know, coconut aminos or, I don't know, oh, like, yeah. a, you know, tapioca flour or, you know, just well, some to, of those more yeah. different unusual ones. What are the challenges yeah. with that? Well, to be honest, Steve, um, I think that we're very lucky on the Atherton Tablelands. We have an awesome health food shop that yeah. really keeps on top of what the demand is and our local IGA, which has won um, national and international awards, has everything you could ever ask for. Mm. Um, I'm not sure if it's because I'm not putting tickets on myself here, but we have a lot of um, real food um, advocates up here and you might be aware that Quirky Joe's from not far from me, 20 minutes away. So I think sometimes when you've got people that are advocating things like that in your local area, it helps to build a market for those local supermarkets as well. Um, That's all I can think is why we've been so, had such an advantage in that area. 
Yeah, yeah. There's most things like that I can get. The only thing I'm struggling with finding at the moment is red boat fish sauce. <laughs> oh, which I need to bring some up for you. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I can get that. Yeah, but there were times um, where I said to Pinky a couple of years ago, I can't find any organic chicken livers. Mm-hmm. And I actually had a trip to Sydney and bought some home with me. But now um, my local organic um, meat supplier, who I approached originally and said, look, can you order some chicken livers, chicken frames, chicken feet? Um, the market that it's created for her now you know, you have to put your name on a waiting list for the livers. So there's clearly just, a, yeah, I've just noticed in the last couple of years there's definitely big changes happening with what people are demanding and consuming. That's, um, a, that's so funny that you should yeah. say that, Tanya, because um, one of the things that my Italian grandparents used to say is the stuff that they would get from the butcher was either free because it, would, it was going to be thrown <laughs> away yeah. or it yep. was super, super, you know, just a token payment really to get it. And, yep. and it's just funny how trends go up and down and now this stuff, you've got to, who can imagine putting your name on a waiting list for that kind <laughs> yes. of stuff? Like if, exactly. you know, if, our, if our grandparents or our great-grandparents were still around, I'm, I'm sure they'd be having a good old scoff. Um, sure. One of the things I was curious about, and I, I might direct this one to you, Tanya, is you mentioned uh, engaging a, uh, a naturopath uh, in the early days um, yes. with, with your children. I was wondering yep. um, why you did that and what you came to learn uh, that was beneficial for your health journey. Well, um, my naturopath at the time was a good friend of ours and um, I guess um, she just really opened our eyes into um, our approach in general to um, well-being in, and its relationship with food um, and also just in dealing with disease in the body, you know, so I learnt from a very early stage about homeopathics, um, about the um, even just basic things like a fever, like um, having a nursing or a medical background, you know, you're taught that you give Panadol for a fever. Well, um, Nicola actually um, introduced this book to me, um, How to Raise Healthy Children in Spite of Your Doctor. (laughs) And there's some really great, um, it's an old book, but there's some really great perspectives in there, in particular the fever one, which I've just always um, fallen back on is that, you know, the fever is a nat- body's natural response to disease or illness and we shouldn't really be trying to suppress that um, body's response to fighting an infection. Um, and so whenever my children have fevers, I never give them Panadol for a fever. I just give them homeopathics to see them through it and... Um, and encourage the body to go through the natural healing process that it's designed to do. And I've just been proven time and time again with the five children that the body is quite amazing at mm. at fighting these things. If you support it with healthy food and nutritious, um, nutrient-dense foods. And what about you, Pinky? What, what did you find and what was your motivation other than copying Tanya? Uh, <laughs> no, you know, I have. I've, I've learned a lot of tan, but, you know, as part of my journey as well, and I'm a bit like this, I like to find things out for myself. Yeah. Um, you know, tan had had um, four home births before I chose to have a home birth with diesel, but 
I still made sure I researched that and made that on, you know, that decision obviously for myself, but natural health. And I think, um, I really was, um, again, sort of catapulted into natural health because I did birth my baby at home and I saw the power of what the human body is capable of without intervention. Um, and because I had such, I gave my son such a start in life, I didn't, and I've never felt, um, a need to put anything foreign into his body. And, you know, he's nearly five and he's never actually had anything kind of foreign into his body, except maybe, you know, obviously toxins in our environment, like, you know, um, pollution and, you know, if he's had a non-organic food. So it just, um, makes sense to me that we would use you know food as medicine or homeopathy or herbal medicine um and use and sort of connecting back to what you know people have done thousands of years ago it's just always resonated with me as much as you know obviously tan has had a huge influence and over the years and all of that influence has probably settled with me and it's helped me um feel more secure on that journey of natural health and I've been really lucky to have some amazing practitioners um, in Sydney as well that have been able to help support and give me that confidence in the body to to heal and um, use natural remedies to help heal. And I think um, for me too that um, coming from a medical background, I've seen too many Band-Aids and, um, mm. and also with what I went through, um, which was also probably influential in my food journey, um, I suffered a lot with urinary tract infections as a young adult before I had children. And, you know, like I'm talking, yeah, a lot, like monthly. And every time I'd go back to the doctor, the only answer I'd get was to take more antibiotics. And then I got to a stage mm-hmm. where I needed um, double rounds of them because my body was getting resistant. And um, I just thought, this is ridiculous. Like I, I just cannot continue on taking this this isn't getting me anywhere it's not providing me with any answers and fortunately again having um our naturopath friend in our life enabled me to explore other things that I was able to use to fight those infections which at the time was propolis tincture which is a byproduct from bees yeah um yeah so you know those experiences have taught me a lot um and given me a lot of confidence in in natural medicine. Yeah, and and it's great to hear those experiences. And certainly, I think they you know reflect experiences I've seen with with my kids as well. And uh, you know, I'm very much the same. I've got two kids who are four and six now who haven't needed any of that sort of you know medical care at this stage, which is great. Mm. And you know, in light of probably I guess the uh, you know a current affair and Pete Evans the other night is probably worth um. saying. You know, we're not saying we're treating or curing any of these conditions but it's just that if you get your body healthy then it's got a better chance of dealing with these things and a decreased chance of needing that sort of intervention which is which is fantastic so um that kind of brings us back to i guess where it all started when you're talking about the skin rashes so you know what Mm. sort of stuff uh you know did you find particularly helpful for you guys with your kids for those conditions um panky i'm gonna let you answer this yeah well yeah for me i I went off the day that kinesiologist actually said Diesel had a yeast infection. I went off sugar cold turkey for about three days. It was actually over Christmas. Um, And overnight saw a change in him. Um, 
But then it actually took me another few months to properly hit the sugar addiction head on. But during that time, I was actually using uh, essential oils to help give him some relief. It's a long time ago now for um, homeopathy I was using. But because the culprit was actually sugar in the breast milk, it wasn't really working until I dealt with my own demons. Uh, and then I did, and I was able to reestablish, um, I guess, the destruction that I probably had on Diesel's gut. Um, and he's, you know, and he he hasn't been sick, and I mean, he hasn't had anything really since back then when he was nine months old. But I've always I, homeopathy is something I, I turn to as my first port of call, um, and then we're always just ensuring that. The food we're eating is immune boosting and whatnot as well. That we've just, if we've got, you know, anything niggly like in the winter months, we sort of increase our vitamin C and different tinctures that we like to get into at bone broths every morning. And I was wondering, uh, Tanya, if you could perhaps um, round off by telling us what, what was the motivation for creating the national database where people can jump on and find out someone near them where they can get a, a starter culture from? Oh, it's 10. I think I might have to answer that for you because I think um, we actually were really passionate when we first um, – were using kefir grains and kombucha scobies, we felt so strongly about how powerful and how uh, life-changing they could be. And because they were difficult to access, we kind of kept on saying to each other, there's got to be a better way, there's got to be a better way, more people need to know about this. And that's that was the beginning of that motivation to create that database. It was all about people needed to have free access to these gifts from nature. And that was really the bottom line about starting that database. Yeah, absolutely. I'm here again. Cool. <laughs> Got your hands tied up there, we can hear. <laughs> Tan, because I remember, Tan, that day that we did create the database. Do you remember it so clearly? Yes, just sitting there yes. at your place just going, hang on, more people need to know about this. More people need yeah. them. So yes, because I, I remember um, reading about Kefir in the Nourishing Traditions book about eight years ago and it sounded really awesome and I tried to get hold of it and I asked my um, local health food shop and he said, yeah, I've got some frozen ones here in the freezer and I took them home and tried to work out what to do with them and I just felt, it just felt like I was trying to learn another language with Mm. minimal information and minimal support and that's as far as it went, I think, nothing ever really happened and then yeah when it came up again um four years ago whenever it was that Pinky and I started exploring it again it was it just seemed that we were able to access information a lot easier and I I just felt like I really wanted this to be accessible for other people and not to yeah, it seemed like it was something in the distant future or so distant from people. Mm. And I think as well we were really lucky because we had each other to troubleshoot and that's what also inspired us to want to run workshops and help people with it because we were back and forth on the phone troubleshooting, does yours look like this, is this how it should be, you know, Um, and we had each other to, you know, 
question and challenge okay. each other and you know go along on that journey so we felt really strongly about sharing with others yeah. those ideas and how we've sort of come to learn about it um, and work with it and incorporate it into our daily diet yeah absolutely well uh, one thing that we didn't get to is that uh, you guys do run private uh, fermenting workshops in your local area so jump onto uh, the website which is pinkfarm.com.au and have a look at what these guys do because the the website's pretty feature rich with regards to a blog uh, heaps and heaps of clean eating recipes um, there's uh, where you can find a, a, a starter culture in your area and, and heaps of instructional stuff on it as well. Um, but, guys, I can't believe that's time for us. Um, Tanya and Amanda, <laughs> thanks so much for joining us and, and sharing uh, your passion with our listeners. Um, you guys are, are really true examples of wellness advocates and, and pioneering spirits, um, so it's really cool to, to finally have you on the show. Um, like I said, if you'd like to discover heaps of clean eating recipes, um, learn more about their upcoming fermenting workshops or, or get in touch with a, a culture, someone who's selling a culture starter, um, or just gain heaps of inspiration to, to help fuel your wellness journey, head over to pinkfarm.com.au and uh, like and follow these guys on their social media. They're on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram as well. So. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the show as much as we did. Remember, you can join the conversation by liking That Paleo Show on Facebook and following us on Instagram. Until next week, continue to share your story and help to grow the paleo tribe worldwide. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.